0: Hey guys, it's Derek. We're back on the podcast. And this week we have another guest. We are sitting down with none other than Marcus Philly. Now, for those of you that don't know who Marcus is, Marcus is first and foremost a husband and a father, but he is also the founder of Revival Strength, Functional Bodybuilding, and Revive RX, as well as a six time individual CrossFit Games veteran. So we're extremely excited to have Marcus on the show. We have a lot of very similar mindsets as they relate to training and mentality and all of those sorts of things. And so I think you're really going to appreciate the conversation. I think you can get a lot out of the conversation that you can take with you today and really start moving toward whatever direction it is that you want to move because we're all individuals, we're all unique, and we're all trying to go to a specific place. So we hope that you enjoyed the episode. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 27, and we are here with Marcus Philly. Marcus, I'm going to let you go ahead and tell the folks a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it.
1: All right. Um, I am Marcus Philly. I am a husband and a father to two little girls. I run a fitness coaching company called Revival Strength, and uh, some people know me from years of being a competitive CrossFit athlete, um, but that was really just a uh, a byproduct of wanting to chase a career in health and fitness that started around 2009 um, after a stint in medical school uh, thinking I was going to go the route of uh, traditional Western medicine. And now I am trying to help people um, through uh, nourishment choices uh, in order to live their best life
0: that's awesome i love it and i'm I'm glad you brought that up too about how some folks know you from that competitive crossfit scene whereas i feel like a lot of our listeners they didn't come into the whole we'll call i don't want to call it the crossfit realm but this sort of group model high intensity and crossfit and really know about the CrossFit Games. I think a lot of our listeners probably know you more from your functional bodybuilding Instagram or, like you said, Revival Strength. So I was glad you kind of threw that in there. And I was actually just talking to my fiance yesterday, and we were talking about you and this episode and how we were excited. And uh, she goes, "You know, wh- what did he do before functional bodybuilding?" Because she didn't even mm-hmm. come into CrossFit. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah she didn't yeah, come yeah. into CrossFit until twenty six, sixteen, or seventeen. And yeah. so I said, Hey, he's, he's a stud. Like this guy was at the game six times. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. yeah. Well,
1: it's uh, yeah, it it's, I mean, <clears throat> just like with anything, you know, like CrossFit, uh, they're gaining, gaining new, a new audience all the time. And, you know, I've been out of the CrossFit game for about four years. So, you know, it, it makes sense that there's quite a few people that, that don't know that connection. It's interesting to me too, because it's, that was sort of the first couple years after CrossFit was that, that was all people wanted to ask me about. It was like, Hey, when are you going to go back to doing CrossFit competitions? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going back to that.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 definitely unique. And I think we're, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in terms of the new audience, like you just mentioned. Uh, but we started this yesterday, actually with Spencer for the first time. And so we figured we continue it on to kick off these episodes and we're going to do some rapid fire uh, questions. Cool. All right. So we'll start out, let's say, what's your favorite exercise or movement?
1: I love the uh, barbell snatch.
0: Okay. I feel like that one doesn't come up often. What do you like about the complexity?
1: Yeah. Complexity. It just um, looks, looks athletic, feels athletic. It uh, demands, you know. It demands strength and power, but like the the positional strength and mobility and flexibility of of the snatch I like.
0: Cool. And now, obviously, you're not in this scene per se anymore, but back when you were, what was your favorite CrossFit workout?
1: I, Jackie, probably. That's uh, for those listeners who don't know. It's a 1,000-meter row into 50 barbell, empty barbell, 45-pound thrusters, and then 30 pull-ups, and uh, it was just something I was quite good at. I think um, it was a regional workout one year, and I I don't know. I think my time right now, my my best time ever was like 5.02 or 5.03, Ooh. and I was like – I, I was basically shaved off every possible second I could think of minus rowing faster, and, <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm retiring this workout until <laughs> yeah, so like I feel album. confident –
0: <laughs> You had the barbell balanced on the flywheel and just picked that thing up and gripped it and ripped it.
1: Right, <laughs> right.
0: Um, uh, I was that was going to be my next question was, Did you do Jackie? Were you in regionals that year that they did Jackie? Because I know that was quite a few years ago now, but I did like that when they incorporated that into it.
1: Yeah, I was in regionals. That was the first year I qualified as an individual competitor of the games. My time was 507. Uh, Jason Kalipa beat me by like a second. Yeah. I mean. And then, but it was it was like the second fastest time at regionals That's for, awesome. for
0: us. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well let's move into some some more fun stuff. So what's your favorite food?
1: Ooh, uh just I don't know just meat in general. Like I don't know. I yeah. My favorite. I mean, okay, if, if I'm gonna get like a really fatty cut of meat would just you know like barbecue brisket bone okay. like that just does it for me
0: got it what about uh what about your favorite beer if you drink beer.
1: <laughs> yeah my favorite beer is uh not non-existent i don't i haven't <laughs> had a beer in probably <laughs> i don't know five years
0: got it do you drink at all anything or no
1: um I I will very very infrequently drink a glass of wine or like a cider. Um, I try and just save that for you know pairing with like a, a really nice meal out.
0: Gotcha. That's a good way to do it. That's kind of Ashley. We're not I going. Work. We're
1: not going out these days. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Especially now, <laughs> we're the same way. We kind of try to save it for special occasions and holidays. Uh, what about your favorite movie? Yeah.
1: Um, probably Caddyshack, you know, that's like a classic that I grew up on and I, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but not a lot of time with two little kids to watch movies. Let's put it that way.
0: Oh yeah. I'm sure. Especially cause how old are your girls?
1: One and three.
0: Oh yeah. You, you don't have a life right now besides <laughs> you, you got the business and the girls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well then, I mean, the next one might be a watch then, but what about favorite TV show? Maybe you watched it in the past.
1: Oh no. My wife and I still, still check out, you know, a decent amount of Netflix and YouTube shorts. We don't get into like, like regular network cable. We don't even have that, but uh, we watched um, Unorthodox on uh, Netflix recently. That was really good. And we were like, devastated when we realized there was only a four, it was only four episodes for like, wait, what? Like we finally, we were like hooked and we're like, okay, great. We got, how many more do we have? Like, Oh, it's done.
0: <laughs> That's brutal. That's yeah, always it disappointing. <laughs> it was,
1: she, she was sad about it for a couple, a couple days.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's so funny. Cause you know, now because you're binging everything when you start watching it, it's right. <laughs> I feel like people are not going to be able to relate uh, back when either a new movie would come out and you had to wait a year to the next one like the Harry Potter series for example or right. or any of these series on TV and having to wait until that that next season to come out oh yeah man. all right what about uh what superhero would you be
1: um i don't know like one of the you know i'm more like thinking about it, it's like i'm more I'm more into the the superheroes that have like the mind can not like mind control, but they can like see what people feel. And like, like the Jean Grey, professor Xavier types, not like the, I need to be like beastly Hulk, like, and just crushing cars and stuff. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need like to be stronger. I want to be like more mentally powerful and, and attuned.
0: Do you think that's because you're already fit and like a strong individual? You're like, I, I got that covered. I can, I want to do something. I, i can't do
1: maybe yeah i mean it's certainly it's more of like what where am i not you know where what are my deficits as a as a human <laughs> um but also that like you know being like extra strong and like you go we're, go we're all going through a time right now where it's just like how it's it's forcing us all to rethink like well from a physical standpoint like what what's excessive and what's what do we need like what's the purpose of movement? Why are we even doing it? Like, why are we trying to get so huge? Why are we trying to get muscular? Like, why are you trying to get big? Hypertrophy is dead right now for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Like, there's no point, you know, it's like, no one can see your body. There's no beach to go to, to flex, you know, there's like, and it's hard. And it's yeah. like, when you're stuck in your home and you have limited equipment or, you know, you're really forced to like, look at what's important. What are the priorities in life? Like, You know, putting on 30 pounds of muscle just seems very, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to connect to.
0: I completely agree. And we'll definitely get into that later because that's exactly what I want to kind of touch on and spend the most of our time. All right. We got a couple left here. Would you rather wear sweatpants every day for the rest of your life or never be able to wear sweatpants again?
1: I mean, I, I I do wear sweatpants every day of my life. Like I'm wearing them right now. (laughs) And I don't know that I've washed this particular pair in probably four weeks. So I I am just, yeah, it's, I'm killing it with that. So yeah, that's for, that's for sure. Without sweatpants, I chose to be a professional fitness, you know, uh, coach because I could wear sweatpants and elastic waistbands every day. Like that's, that was the motivator.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can't beat it. All right. What about this one? Uh, would you rather have all your shirts be two sizes too big or one size too small?
1: Oh, two sizes too big. I I, I don't like the tight the tight shirt. I mean, I don't even wear a shirt most of the time. <laughs> uh, I tried to put on something for you today, but um, yeah, I, it, my wife. When I occasionally, you know, we'll we'll put we'll go out or I don't know. I guess in our former life we would go out, but uh, <laughs> you know, per- apparently like. Whenever I put on a shirt that's a little snug, she's like, ooh, I like that shirt, and I just <laughs> I can't <laughs> handle it. Like tight jeans and a tight shirt, it's like get me out.
0: No good. All right. What about uh, would you rather wrestle a bear or an alligator and why?
1: Oh, man, yeah. The, yeah, that just sounds – those options just sound terrible. I mean probably a bear because the alligator – would likely be associated with some water and i'm like i'm just i'm already going to be stressed enough don't put me in water to to also like add to my anxiety and drowning fear so yeah no thanks i'll go with the bear and i'll i'll get crushed either way that's what uh, if i li- if i live that'll, that'll be a bonus
0: <laughs> i said the exact same thing about the water because i you just be yeah. even more uncomfortable and then uh yes oh yeah Spencer's immediate response was like, "Dude, have you not seen The Revenant? Like, did you see what that bear did to Leonardo DiCaprio? Dude,
1: (laughs) trust me, bro. the 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 crocodile alligator is gonna do just as just as much damage, if not more.
0: Yeah, you're you're screwed either way. All right, would you rather only drink coffee or never be able to drink coffee again?
1: Right. I mean, I think i i just I just know that as much as I love coffee, I think that if I was just gonna survive on coffee, i would ah screw it, I'd just drink coffee, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would just adapt, you know my body would just get uh, you know i'm um, um, basically like <laughs> adjusted to the level of caffeine that I need to sustain, but I just drink weak coffee in the afternoon and very
0: strong in the morning. Yeah, I mean I guess you could drink decaf really if that's all you could drink, you could mix it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, would you rather change one thing in your past or have a real get out of jail free card right now?
1: Yeah, I I think the one thing in my past, I don't I don't anticipate going to jail. Uh, but if it's more of like a metaphor for like, I have one, like get out of a tough situation kind of card. Um, I would, t- I would hold on to that then I would take the, you know, but it'd be hard to actually play that card e- ever. Cause, cause every time uh, there's a bad situation, I kind of go through the history and I'm like, oh, there's always a worse one that could be coming. Like right now, do it, do we play it now? Right? Can we just say, Hey, I want to get out of the COVID situation you know, for everybody that I know and love and, or I don't know, I might play it right now. I might just say, Hey, this gets, gets me and all my loved ones out of, you know, the fear of getting, you know, sick and dying. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. It'd definitely be tough to play that. All right. Would you rather remember every conversation you have or everything that you read?
1: Conversation for sure. I don't read that much to be, perfectly honest and when i do read it's it's listening so i would categorize that as a conversation <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm not i'm not somebody i haven't it's been probably 10 years since or more since i've read an actual book
0: yeah I'm, i've never been a big reader but i do listen to a lot of audiobooks listen to a lot of podcasts and mm-hmm. the only time i read is like fiction at night and i actually mm-hmm. just got Ashley involved as well but now it's been ruined because she wants to treat it like a competition and beat me through whatever book we are reading. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. The entire yeah. process has been just destroyed. I should have never involved her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. Would you rather be able to listen to the same song every day of your life or only be able to watch the same movie every day of your life? Mm. Uh, probably song.
1: I mean, although I don't, neither one gets. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not that attached to either one, really. You can go either honest. way. Yeah. Okay.
0: Got it. Well, cool. Well, now we can actually get into a uh, little bit more about you, about revival, and into the the meat of the conversation here. So, you know, without tumbling too far down the rabbit hole, because I know we could talk about this forever. You know, tell us about your experience prior to, you know, breaking into the CrossFit scene, and then ultimately moving towards where you're at now.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll be pretty brief. You know, I was just a kid, athletic kid growing up in, um, you know, a, a suburbs of San Francisco uh, had a lot of access to things. Uh, you know, I was fairly privileged and um, never, I didn't take it for granted. And I also never really got exposed to too much, you know, hardship, um, got to play the sports I wanted to play, got to be on good teams, get coached by good people. You know, I got the, the private lessons for stuff. I had tutors when I needed them. I was a really focused and dedicated student. You know, um, my parents provided me a lot in that way, went to UC Berkeley to pursue, um, you know, a a degree in uh, molecular cell biology, which was a pre-med, you know, track for me. Um, played some college soccer was uh, got really into strength conditioning when I was in college playing soccer and, you know, just was in love with the gym from like basically age 14 and onward Um, studied everything I could find on the internet and in books and magazines and put it all to practice. And I was the kid that was doing like real training programs to just learn how it all worked and trying to follow a diet in high school. Like, you know, tuna rice, corn, teriyaki sauce five times a day to put on, you know, weight. And I was just doing things like that. Um, so after, after, uh, after college and after, a, uh, you know, a stint in medical school, I had, I had really amassed a huge amount of experience in the gym and with fitness and health and fitness and knowledge. And, um, yeah, I just kind of caught the, uh, CrossFit had caught my eye as a training methodology and I wanted to sort of get exposure to it. Um, and like everything I had done in the past, I just kind of dove in and really, you know, investigated it personally and then used it as a platform to sort of transition away from medical sciences into, uh, fitness coaching. And so that's where I got my first fitness coaching job was at a CrossFit gym, um, became a CrossFit gym owner. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the rest is kind of, you know, a, a story that unfolded as a as a product of uh, just being really invested in finding the best way to serve the clients that I worked with and where I saw shortcomings in what I was doing with CrossFit and where I wanted to expand and, and so forth.
0: Awesome. And I kind of went through a similar experience and I don't know if this was exactly what happened to you, but did you find yourself when you were in med school thinking that there's got to be a better way to do it. And then when you discover the cross of methodology, you thought, Hey, I can use this as a segue into what I think will better help my clients.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's almost precisely how it went for me. It was, um, I, although I didn't go into so maybe the one difference and or maybe it's a similarity is that I didn't go into the medical science realm thinking this is the answer. I went in knowing it wasn't the answer and that there was an answer that involved more or less what we can do today with kind of a comprehensive health and wellness program, uh, with fitness involved. But, uh, I thought, you know, okay, I'll, I'll do the medical science. I'll get the medical degree. I'll use that as my sort of platform and, uh, way to command, you know, kind of like the, the community's respect, um, put some letters behind my name that are, you know, generally well-respected and then kind of develop something new. Um, Just that once I realized how hard that was going to be to get get to those letters at the end of the name, I was like, "Eh, this is maybe not the best use of my energy right now.
0: Yeah. No, I think it was a, a similar experience. My goal was to go to, I was back and forth between PA school and med school. And I had all the prereqs for either one and uh i really had no clue what i was doing i was like that senior who was uh you know everyone was talking about i already applied to x y and z schools this is where i'm going this is what i'm doing and i was like hey i i haven't applied anywhere because i don't know what the hell (laughs) i want to do with my life Mm -hmm. and uh that's when i found crossfit and that's when i just scrapped all those plans and thought i'm just going to coach like i think i can be more be a more effective coach than I ever could be and enjoy it way more than I ever could being in mm. either a private practice or a hospital or whatever it may be. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I might have been just a few years before that where the CrossFit model and the CrossFit like community and at least just like the micro gym kind of culture hadn't really taken off yet. It was just starting. And so, you know, the when I was applying to medical school, it was 2006, 2007. And that was, that was pre the, you know, the mega C- CrossFit gym boom. Um, so it just, the model wasn't there in front of me, the, the example mm-hmm. uh, to, for me to sort of, you know, latch onto.
0: Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Cause I was a little bit later. I, this was 2012. And so there were starting to be some of these affiliates that were successful but it still oh, wasn't yeah. obviously it wasn't the saturated market that it is now. But it was enough to kind yeah. of give you an idea of, oh, maybe I could make a career out of this, and so sure that kind of helped yeah. guide. Uh, so you talked about that's how you got into your first coaching position or your first you know job in fitness. And what did yeah. you say that you were coaching in an affiliate?
1: I was, yeah, right, right around here by where I live now.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, and was there a moment when you started coaching that you thought? Well, you might've had this moment before, but like, this could be a legitimate career or was it really just pursuing a passion and hoping that the career could transpire out of it?
1: Yeah. I don't think I ever, you know, I was in a, again, I was in a very fortunate situation to not, I didn't start to think about, is this going to be a legit career for a number of years? I had literally just, you know, the story goes is that after college, I was Extreme. I was like, I, I deferred enrollment into medical school two years, so I didn't go from medic from college right into medical school. I took some time off. One, I mean, pr- primarily because I was so burnt and just depressed and destroyed from, you know, college that I needed some time to sort of regroup. I couldn't imagine going into another eight year grind of, you know, medical school right away, and then. Um, And then medical school itself, like, you know, there was going there, not being a hundred percent certain that this was my calling and what I needed to do. Also being a very anxious, driven student in in person. Like I just worked myself to death, you know, not because medical school demanded that much. Like people, people know medical school is hard. I made it probably 10 X harder than it needed to be. And so when I finished and I left, I was so broken as a person, just spiritually and emotionally and, and mentally, that I was like, the only thing that I need to guide myself with right now is what gets me excited, what makes me feel like I have purpose. And that's it. Like, if this pays the bills in the future, like, I didn't think about that at all. I moved home with my parents. I lived in the, you know, room above the garage. They fed me. They gave me a place to stay. My expenses were low. I worked at a coffee shop as a barista to try and make a little extra money so I could just have some spending money, not because I needed to pay rent. I started coaching because I wanted to do it. I pushed myself and I had lots of moments like where I would coach a client. They would have an aha moment and I would just be like so overwhelmed and over like, overcome with fulfillment and joy and happiness. Like I remember, you know, I'd be, I'd be driving from one gym to the next to do a client session. And I'd get a text from a client that said that they had such a great experience. And I would just like, I'd just be bawling my eyes out in the car. Just like, like, Oh my God, I found my passion. And that was true for, for several years. And then when I actually went to uh, open up a gym, and I had to start thinking about like, oh, like how do the dollars and cents make sense? That's that was when it started to think. I started to think, okay, how do I make this work? But even still, like I opened up my first gym. I was still living with my parents. I didn't have rent, you know, to pay. I had a girlfriend, and she had an apartment, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't wasn't like I wasn't thinking there yet. So that that to me was one of the the biggest value, like, you know, the most valuable things that I had going for me was that I didn't get stuck in thinking about how am I going to make this work. And if I could if I could channel more of that today and every day for the last three and a half, four years as I've built my my current business, you know, that is that's power, right? If you can get out of that, if I could get out of that thinking of like, how's this going to pay the mortgage? How's this going to support my kids? How am I going to get them to college? How are we going to afford this or that? Like those things are important. You have to think about those things because that's reality of life. But it also limits so much of your potential and fulfillment, and like getting connected to what, why you're doing the things you're doing in the first place. Yeah, Sorry, I got a little in, into that one.
0: <laughs> no, I love that. That was awesome, and we have a very similar upbringing by the the descriptions you were given there. And I think it at least for me, it gives me that incentive of, all right, I want to make sure that I can provide that for my future family of like, Hey, I don't want you to have to worry how your passion is going to, is going to pay your or create fa- financial stability for you. I want you to just yeah. pursue it. Cause that's what you're passionate about. And if you're right, if you're truly passionate about it and you're good at what you do, like those opportunities will come, the The finances will come with it. And so I, yes, I think that's a huge blessing and obviously something that not everybody is fortunate enough to have, but having that, that foundation of the family and the financial stability that's along with that and the support from them is huge.
1: Yes. And I will add though one thing to that, which is as much as I want to provide that for my kids in the future, I know that in an, in an effort to provide that for me, my dad, sacrificed some of this like some of what we're talking about some of that like being able to just be in the moment and to not worry and not to stress right so he took on a burden of stress that i don't i mean i i'm grateful for it and i know it gave me an opportunity later on in life but i think it also took something away from him and from me too it's like you know his, his, maybe his preoccupation with providing something for us when we were you know young adults and later on in life for himself and f- for his retirement like maybe it stuck it was in the way of those important precious moments when i was younger that all i really wanted was to just connect with him not that he wasn't there and available it's just to what degree can you be when you're thinking about so much of the future and so it's just the it's a delicate balance and i I thought of, you know, my, my wife has taught me a lot about that. It's like, I am working hard to provide for this, you know, our future. It's like, Hey, well, your kids right now, they don't care about that. Like they just need daddy right now. Like yeah. stop worrying about whether this is going to work next year or what's going to happen. Like we have everything we need right here, right now. I don't know.
0: No, that's awesome. I think that's a really good point and something that, you know, isn't always discussed or isn't always thought about but it is something that I think you like you said is a really fine line and it's hard to find that balance especially you know in in the world right now you have so many people preaching you know like the hustle and the grind and this that and the other thing and it's like yeah all those things are great and you do need to work hard and you do need to pursue your passions if you want to find success but you know, at, at what cost. And so I think that's, yes. that's an interesting, I mean, really, a, a not a game, but it's something that you're always probably battling with throughout your entire life.
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, awesome. Now we'll bring it back a little bit. So all that being said, and getting into coaching and owning your first affiliate, you know, what was the transition like? Going from opening that affiliate, I'm assuming were you at the CrossFit Games already at that point? Were you in the competitive scene or not?
1: Yeah, I was.
0: Okay, so you were. Yeah, I remember we opened
1: up. We opened up the gym, and uh, we in like May, and we competed at the games in July. So we were like, like the first month of the gym, we're like doing, you know, we're we're training for the the games (laughs) too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. So that had to be a little hectic. And through all of that, you know, how long were, did you own that affiliate or maybe you still own it? And then what was the transition like going from competing, owning that affiliate to now obviously pulling away from the competitive scene, starting this new business and revival strength and, you know, really where we're at now?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well competing, excuse me, uh, the affiliate was a partnership. So I was a part, part owner of, a. um, of a a collection of gyms here in Marin County. So there were three that were all under the same brand. Um, And that was my partner's brand. It was their name. It was, uh, they had been around for a while. Um, We opened up a, a satellite location or, you know, another location in my hometown. They brought me on as a partner. I was on the affiliate license. I was the head coach. I did, you know, I did a, a lot of the work, right? Um, and that was a that was a good starting place for me, for sure. And it allowed me to be to still pursue a competitive life and and have kind of another fifty percent partner that was doing, you know, a decent amount of the work. And even if like I was still doing the majority of the work, you know, if I could step away to go and do some competition or focus on that, hey, at least I had somebody that was you know, focused on the, uh, the business at the same time too. Um, so yeah, I competed along, you know, I, I competed really the next four, it was five years that I was an. I think I opened in 20, 2011 we opened or 2012 and then I sold in 2016. So it was like four, four and a half years. Um, so four trips to the CrossFit Games while I was a part of that, you know, ownership. Um, I also played Two, three seasons of Grid League, which was sort of another shoot, you know, off spin-off competition, fitness competition thing that was happening at the time from CrossFit, which you know had me move away for two months, three months at a time. So I wasn't even at my affiliate for two months uh, for a couple summers, and and that you know was kind of the luxury of having partners, which was great. So. Yeah. It was, it's, it, I was set up right for, um, to still be able to train as much as I was training and, uh, and be an effective coach and, and owner. And as my career of competing in fitness started to, I could sense it was winding down. And I was like, you know, I mean, winding down, not because I was, uh, not, not doing well. As a matter of fact, I was doing the best I'd ever done. I was placing high, I was at a great level of fitness, but I could just, I just had vision. I knew where the sport was headed, you know, who was coming up in the ranks, what kind of energy and time were they putting in to the sport? And it was full time. It was not, you know, the, the, the CrossFit gym owner, operator, coach slash CrossFit games athlete was sort of disappearing. They weren't around, you know, nowadays they're not, they're not around. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, people that are winning and doing well in the CrossFit scene, They're not managing and operating a business. That's just too much on your plate. So they have people that do that for them, or they're just not even involved in that side of the business. Right. Um, So I just was like, okay, I'm not. I'm not going to continue down this road very far because I don't want to be a a CrossFit athlete. I want to be a a coach and a a business owner, and that's where my future is. And you know, on the topic of like what's going to be a good career and provide, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I, that was heavily informing my decision. I mean, yeah, it would have been fun to keep playing the CrossFit game and, you know, keeping my responsibilities limited and just exercising. But I didn't, I, I couldn't see a realistic path towards that, you know, paying for the lifestyle that I wanted to have and the baby that was on the way and the house that we had, that, that kind of stuff. So it's like, I was, and I was 32 or 31, 30, you know, I was in my thirties now. I'm like, I'm not 21 anymore living with my parents. I can't just, you know, mess around anymore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as that happened, I started to get really clear on like, well, what do I want to really create for myself as a, as a fitness coach? And it didn't align with my partners anymore. It didn't align with the CrossFit gym that we had created together because they were still so invested in their other their other affiliates and locations and um so really it was just like okay it's time for me to sort of create my own identity and my do that in this setting and that was when I sort of ventured out opened up my own uh excuse me I didn't it was I didn't affiliate I I sold my shares of the business to them and then sort of went with an intention of starting up my own gym, but because of like a sort of a nine to 12 month non-compete clause that I had in my buyout agreement, I I really heavily leaned towards my online coaching that I had already started in a very small way. Um, and I just did that for a while. And then that grew, uh, very, you know, quickly before I was even able to open and operate a new facility. Um, so it became the pri- primary way that I, I coached and, and still to this day is Re- revival strength and functional bodybuilding is predominantly an online coaching company in business, um, with, uh, with, with, with a brick and mortar facility in our hometown, but that doesn't, it only services, you know, a small percentage of our total business that we have.
0: Right. And so, I mean, that was actually great because the entire story that you just laid out there answered a couple of the questions that we're going to follow. And so as you – but I'll throw this one in there. As you were transitioning and you were in that non-compete phase and you were doing the online coaching, did it ever occur to you at that time, like maybe you didn't want a brick and mortar anymore? Maybe you only wanted online?
1: Yeah, it definitely definitely did. I mean, there were um, – You know, the brick and mortar facility is, and I've reflected on this a lot over the past several years, like, what does it represent to me? You know, um, what I know is that I don't care which business you want to go into, you know, if you want it to be successful, it's going to require a lot of your energy and time. Some businesses you put in a hundred hours, you're going to get this much in return. Another business you put in a hundred hours, you're going to get this much in return, right? So, you know what's that? That's a conversation about what's scalable. What what are your what's your skill set? You know what's your market? What's your audience? Like who do you really? You know who can you really cap capture as a as a customer? Um, so. People that do really well in the brick and mortar industry, they're all in on the brick and mortar industry. People that do really well online, they're all in on online stuff. You know, recognizing over the past several years that what I do has several different, you know, branches to it, which I appreciate. And I think that it serves a purpose and a need for a lot of people. Um, What I knew during that time off was that I don't want to go back into the group fitness model. Like I certainly, I, I, I learned how to do it pretty well. We had a good, we had a a successful affiliate that's still there to this day. Um, and is doing good work. I mean, granted they're not open right now, but, (laughs) um, you know, and, and I, I know I played a huge part in laying that foundation, although it's been enough time that they've sort of, you know, pivoted and made, made kind of their own way of things since I left, um, I knew I could do another thing like that, but I was, I was kind of committed to doing it differently, you know, getting into more personalized coaching. And so, you know, now I just see the brick and mortar facility as it's very much aligned with the online coaching service that we offer. It's the same coaching service. Although when people come to our facility, they have the benefit of getting to be around us in person and us to see them, but they're very much self-guided just as our online clientele are self guided personal coaching. Um, so that made it make sense. Two, you know, having a brick and mortar facility is something that you can feel every day. Whereas online and coaching individuals online, you get these powerful relationships that can be built. And sometimes it's hard to actually feel the impact that you're having if you're you know, if you have a big social media uh, influence and you're influencing people that way and you get nice messages and you get nice testimonials and feedback from time to time, but we we don't see people and you don't actually talk to them. You don't have that like face-to-face contact. Um, It can be, it it can get a little lonely and hard to like just see see and feel your impact. So having the brick and mortar facility allowed for that, it also is, creates a home for you know, a, a staff and for coaches and for people that work together and something that COVID-19 pandemic has taught us is that as a team, you know, we still are very connected virtually, but without seeing each other on a regular basis, it's, it becomes hard to feel that like unified sense of purpose as a team. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's still such a valuable and then, uh, Gosh, I mean, the relationships to the clients that come to our onsite facility and, and just the ability to say, hey, in my local community, the, the county that I grew up in, I'm able to offer something that I've always dreamt of offering to people to provide a way to pursue health and fitness that feels really authentic and real and valuable. Um, that was the dream that, like, kind of carried me and helped me leave medical school. Yeah. So, like, I, that to me is, I don't want to give up on that. You know, I I I don't I didn't want to give up on that. I wanted that was something that was still very important to me to to hold on to and to make um continue to be a reality.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you said and I think a lot you made a lot of really good points especially about, you know, it being real, feeling it, knowing that you're it's really you're creating yourself like a home base, like you said, not only to have to develop a team and a staff, but really something that you can see and feel that the business that you build online is transcending into, you know, real life as well, or at least the physical presence. And I think that's awesome. And we've had that very similar talk, Ashley and I of you know, hey, we're running this online business, but we still think it's important to have some kind of brick and mortar physical location, even if it's a very small footprint relative to the massive affiliates and micro gyms that you see now yeah. for specifically those reasons that you were talking about. So that's really cool. Yeah. And all that being said about Revival Strength, you know, what? what's really your mission with Revival Strength?
1: Well, nowadays it is... Um... I think it's it's really connected to uh, you know, uh, gosh, it's it's sort of been changing and sort of evolving, rather evolving since we've started as a company. Um, I I would say that it's showcasing and um, uh, maybe not showcasing, but just educating the audience on ways to approach fitness, health and fitness that are, you know, more, maybe less sexy, but more sustainable and more like rooted in what people want. Right. So I think there's, I think it's safe to say that the fitness industry has been truly built on selling quick f- solutions and letting people, telling people that they have a problem that they need to fix, right? So first fitness industry says you ha- you're broken and then they come in with the fix and then they tell you how quickly it's going to happen. And so it's just this feedback loop. That's just, it's, it's kind of, and CrossFit played into it too, right? You know, high intensity, you're going to work out in less time and fix all your, sh- your stuff, right? 15 minutes of high intensity a day. That's all you need to be generally physically prepared. Um, I'm not saying that CrossFit was like, you know, the problem or, but they were part of the, the whole system, despite wanting to position themselves as different You know, and there there are plenty of things that were different about CrossFit and very valuable and and real. Uh, So I don't know. It's like no, with that in mind, and look, functional bodybuilding and revival strength, like in some ways we're feeding into that too, but with the greater mission of like, okay, we want to help people transcend out of that and see that there's like there there's more to fitness than just you have problems and you're going to fix it and we're going to fix it with a quick solution that it's, you you don't have a pro like, you don't have a problem. You have an opportunity to kind of take, take this part of life, which is, you know, movement and self care and apply it in a way that's real that will last potentially your whole life. So that's the big mission is, is to, sort of paint fitness in a different light. Because I the reason I didn't go into personal training and I went to medical school is because when I started that journey, the personal training and the audience that I saw and the way it was being done was just very much this like thing that just I didn't I couldn't really couldn't really get behind. You know, it was it was like I don't want to be like that guy, that personal trainer in the gym that's just sort of like Doing it that way, like it just didn't feel right, you know. Uh, so later on, I'm I'm seeing like, okay, well, no, you know, it's like just because it hasn't been done right or people, you know, there's some intrinsic issues to the way the fitness culture has been delivered and marketed and sold, and doesn't mean that we can't attempt to change it, you know. And and do I use some of the tricks and some of the, you know, some of the the stuff that people <laughs> out there use in the fitness industry? Hell yeah, I do. I take my shirt off. I, you know, have pictures and videos on Instagram that are, that, that, you know, sell a little bit of sex and sell, you know, try and use some sexy stuff. But then when you read the messages, when you read the newsletters, I'm, I'm not selling you the 20 day shred, you know, I'm talking about like Hey, let's slow things down. Let's get away from the the relentless intensity. Let's make you, let's make you feel better. This is how you can use training principles, right? So it's like, um, yeah. It's I don't even remember the original question that you had, but <laughs> I think I've arrived at kind of my concluding point. I think you <laughs> so answered. Stop. It. I, I think you okay. answered it well,
0: uh, and it sounds very similar to the the deeper message that we try to preach to our clients and that is really if you boil it down to just a couple of words it's sustainability and consistency you know we want sure we want people to have a solution that is sustainable that they can be consistent with and Mm -hmm. that makes them look good and feel great and you know unfortunately i think that's been diluted a little bit over the years with all of the the high intensity and and we'll talk about that in a second but you know, all of what you just said about revival strength, when when did functional bodybuilding sort of become one of those pillars in the overall business? You know, I think for some it mm-hmm. might be confusing. Is functional bodybuilding and re- revival strength the same thing? Are they two separate mm-hmm. entities? And so just kind of touch on that slightly.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, the the – the simplest way to think about it is revival strength is the coaching business and functional bodybuilding of the kind of the methodology, the principles behind it. I mean, when I was coming out of CrossFit, I needed a way to sort of, once I got kind of connected with like, you know, a, a different approach to training that was not just, and this was started, this started before I left CrossFit for sure. But, you know, I was not just a CrossFit coach. Uh, on any given day, you know, in 2015, 2014, 2015, 2016, you rarely heard me use any of the CrossFit language when I was coaching group classes or writing programs for my gym. Like it was not, you know, I didn't circle people up. We didn't do PVC pipe drills. I did not, you know, hammer the nine foundational movements. I didn't talk about high intensity across broad time and modal domains it was not about constant variance. It was, I didn't use that language. I, I, I had themes of it and certainly you could see it in the programming, but there was much more conversation around, you know, a wide variety of training principles that I had accumulated knowledge on over the years from bodybuilding coaches to strength conditioning experts to everybody, you know, that I could read and I was read in. And when I left competing in CrossFit in order to really get back to like a sustainable approach to training for me, it was just clear that my training pivoted way away from competitive fitness. I did some of it for sure, but I did a ton of other stuff. A lot of bodybuilding principles, a lot of prehab rehab stuff, a lot of, uh, you know, aerobic training, like just stuff that people don't do in, in traditional boxes. So that needed to have a, have a identity. And when I was going through the training at the time, it really felt like it wasn't like a premeditated thing. I just was training for a period of like, two months where I would do some like hypertrophy type work. I would do some, you know, box jumps and thrusters and assault bike. And, you know, and then some days I was doing banded work and I was like, man, this is like functional and kind of like bodybuilding. I got a good pump today. Like this felt like functional bodybuilding, you know, and that's what I just called it. You know, there was a day like September 20 something, 2016 on Instagram, I wrote it. And then it like kind of stuck. So it really was just a way to sort of identify and and separate from, Hey, I'm, I'm a CrossFit coach and athlete to no, I'm a functional bodybuilding coach and athlete now. And, um, you want to learn about it. You want to get training, you want to get coaching, come to revival strength. And that's where you can, you can do that.
0: Awesome. That was a great explanation. I think, that helps clear things up. And I love the entire thought process behind it. And you talked about the language and the conversations that you're having with people and to kind of link back in the, the mindset we were talking about earlier. Do you have a lot of conversations with clients, whether they're your online clients or the in-person brick and mortar about their mindset around training, about understanding the basic, principles and trusting the process and patience and all of those things that are associated with that? Like, do you believe that's an important component of this overall health and fitness that we're trying to cultivate for everybody?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something I try and come back to often. You talked about it. It's just like, how do we create consistency for people? And, uh, yeah, like, today. You're not going to, what, what you do today in the gym is not going to impact your results as much as what you do for the next 60 days. So make sure that what you do today allows you to come back tomorrow and the next day consistently nine times out of 10 So you know, so we talk a lot about mindset around building consistent patterns, you know, what's sustainable when you decide to overreach and really push yourself. What are you doing that for? Is it for, Is it because you believe it's going to get you to your goals quicker or, or, or something more realistic where it's like, it just allows you to feel something that inspires you that challenges you as a person. And that's why you did it, right? Like, why do I choose to do something hard and intense once a week? Not because it's like helping me live to 90 because it makes me feel alive. And it makes me feel like I'm, you know, I'm not just dying, like, right. You know, but doing that hard Metcon that makes me want to throw up—like that—is not a path to longevity. That's for sure. So don't don't mistake it. So yeah, we do have to have those conversations, and I have them, you know, in person. But I often have them just in in written form on social media and in newsletters that I send out.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's just at this point part of your message and part of the brand, and so yeah, yeah completely. completely get that. Well, awesome. And that, I think that segues perfectly into the the state that we're in now in this entire COVID situation. And as unfortunate it is, I think it is going to create some changes within the fitness industry. We don't all know what those are yet or can actually peg them. But do you think that even prior to COVID hitting, that there was starting to be a shift out there? Did, did you start to notice more people, quote unquote, are burning out on the high intensity functional training type group model
1: I mean I've been seeing that for for quite some time yeah. um but and I don't know that covid is I think more in my in my and I'm biased because this is sort of what I was burning out on was just sort of just the speed and the pace of life right which I think high intensity quick fix get in the gym blah, blah, like that that just feeds into it but just there's just a general a general frequency and a speed and energy that the world was, you know, vibrating at. And then it was like, whoosh, like it came way down. And this was too much. It was like the energetic frequency of the earth was too much and we needed a correction, you know, mother earth, like the the cosmic energy needed to correct in some way. I, I'm not saying that it's like we needed this, you know, or that I, w- I wanted this and this is not like, you know, it's, it's tragic. There's so much this devastation that's happening as a result of this pandemic. Um, but there was something that was unsustainable happening, you know, and there've been co- there've been course corrections throughout human history that have looked like all different types of things. Um, so I think this is just, it, it's sort of shining a spotlight on something that was, you know, not, not working and sustainable despite what so many people were, you know, will try and lead you to believe like, Oh, we were doing so great. The economy was so good. Everything was so awesome. And it's like, but I think there was like this little undercurrent of like, no, this doesn't feel right for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I loved how you linked that to sort of the bigger overall picture, you know, that and that can also translate over to fitness. So I thought that was awesome. And a conversation that we've had with a lot of our clients and, I've had with some other folks in the industry is, I think the entire situation and everything slowing way down, as you just described, was actually a blessing in disguise for most people, not only like in terms of their life and their relationships and just the speed of things, as you mentioned, but also a blessing in the way of a chance for their body to recover, a chance for, uh, to pull away from all of the intensity and all of the, really the the demands you were placing on your body through all of that fitness.
1: Yeah. I think people are, there's a lot of people that are members at CrossFit affiliates around the world that gyms that subscribe to a real high intensity model that, uh, they're out of that for a little bit. Maybe they've been doing workouts at home, you know, and the, they've been doing the virtual classes that have been, you know, they're scaled down versions cause they don't have as much equipment or whatever. And they can kind of, They're not in the gym with all these people pushing them. They're just sort of like auto-regulating and going at their own speed. And they're like, well, I feel way better. (laughs) I haven't, or or even just simply removing heavy, heavy loading. Like I haven't deadlifted or back squatted. I've just been doing kettlebells and dumbbells. I feel awesome. So it's going to make people rethink like, what would, do I even need that stuff? Um, And again, this is not like universal. I'm not saying that like we should all stop heavy deadlifting and back squatting. It's more of like, when the, when the prescription's wrong or when it's, when it's not appropriate to the individual and you're not thinking about that, then there's a lot of people that are going to realize once they remove all that added stress, they're going to feel better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we even saw it ourselves, you know, we don't, we try to follow a very balanced uh, for lack of a better term program and programs that not only allow us to stay fit and, and move toward greater fitness, but feel good as well. And Mm-hmm. Even for Ashley and I, we, over the last eight weeks have been, you know, oh, well, this is the best my knees have felt in five years. This is the best my, like right. just my overall energy, you know, like I'm, my nervous system isn't fried. I'm not, Yeah, you know, it's just a much, it's just an opportunity, like you said, an opportunity to self-regulate and realize, okay, maybe I don't need to do what I was doing quite as much.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and to expand on that, it's like even people for the, that have slowed down in their lifestyle that are getting better sleep as a result of not having to wake up and commute to the thing that's, you know, so far away. And they're starting to feel those physical, emotional, mental benefits too. And making people rethink like, wait a minute, why do I sit in my car three hours a day? Like that's fucking crazy. You know? Yeah. I'm just as effective, you know, telecommuting
0: right now. It's it's wild. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely unique. And I think there will be a lot of, discovery throughout it and um, yeah as it relates to fitness do you think what do you think the shift will be after this finally we finally settle into this new normal you know do you think we'll see a lot of gyms and a lot of these micro gyms move towards a virtual presence do you think that like we mentioned in the beginning there's people who go all in on group model brick and mortar and they'll stay that way and there's people who go all in and on the online model or do you think maybe we'll start to see more of this individual design, this one-on-one training, more of like that functional bodybuilding style emerge out of all of this?
1: I mean, I, I believe it's just time will, time will just tell. Like I, as much as I would want to say like, Oh, I think this is what's going to happen. You know, one thing I do know is that human beings have a very, very short memory, (laughs) you know, like, and like, If we get back to a normal way of life-ish in six months from now, you know, and they'll just go with what feels easy and they will just flow where the money's going and they'll just, you know. So um, I hope it doesn't happen that way where people are just doing the things that they, they, um, kind of mindlessness. But um, yeah, certainly in the short term, a lot of people are going to try and venture into, virtual coaching and there's plenty of obstacles there, but you know, when people are, a lot of people are doing it, there's going to be a, a pretty quick growth curve. And so we'll see some of that. I think people will want to go back to, you know, being in a communal space to move. So there will be a place for gyms for sure, but who, who's going to be able to operate in those circumstances. You know, if, if people have to, if gyms have to have a lower footprint, then, you know, which model is actually going to be um, profitable, right? Because the, the mega gyms, their profitability might total, their, their business model might completely change when they can only house X number of people and they can only have this much equipment in the gym. And just think of the cardio, like the lines of cardio equipment at certain gyms that are not six feet apart. It's like, okay, we, we, we certainly cut in half our, our occupancy and, but our overhead is this and yada, yada, yada.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely a complicated equation. I think it's fun to play the game of, I think it'll go this way. I think it'll go that way. But like you said, I don't think anybody can peg it right now. No. And I think everybody's also, you know, biased to their individual method and – and it's easy to to say, you know, functional bodybuilding will be the future of, of the micro gym industry. It's easy to say mm-hmm. that CrossFit will stay relevant or that Orange Theory and F45 are going to take over with their operational capacity models. But like you said, ultimately, we don't really know. And I think there will be a place for all of it in some way or another. Yes, things might adapt and evolve with time, but there's mm-hmm. all people have what they like and they're going to try to stick with that, you know, for as long as it's offered. Exactly. Awesome. Well, in closing today, I just have one question for you and it's, it's kind of a doozy, but you know, if you could leave all the listeners with a couple of things that they could take with them today and start moving in the right direction, or even a couple just nuggets of advice that they can start to think about, and maybe these are conversations you have with your current clients. You know, what would a, a few of those things be?
1: Yeah, I, I'll keep it pretty simple. I mean, with just sort of one, one takeaway. It's not a simple uh, exercise, but it's a simple takeaway, which is um, really continue to ask yourself, why do you even do health and fitness? Why, why, what is the purpose behind doing health and fitness for you? And that's that you say, okay, well, cause I want to be in shape. Why do you want to be in shape? What does it mean to be in shape? Well, I want to look a certain way. Why do you need to look a certain way? You know, get, get way down to like the real core emotion. I am scared of this. Okay. Let's have a real discussion about what you're afraid of. Like, I want to have confidence, deep confidence. I really want to feel like my joints feel healthy. I want to be strong. I really want to be strong. Okay. Well, what does it mean to be strong? Like keep going all the way back to like what drives the the, the day-to-day decisions around health and fitness. And get a coach that can help you discover that and then actually write you a fitness program that keeps that in mind. Because a hundred people came to my CrossFit gym in 2014. And they all had a different answer to that question and I gave them one workout. And that right there is flawed. So that's where we're, that's where I'm going, where we're trying to go as a fitness company and a a brand. And um, I believe that's, that's, that's gets us closer to the answer of like, how do we, how do we make health and fitness real for people?
0: Yeah. I love that. And we actually, I think it might've been last week the week before we put a post out on Instagram and it was very similar to that you know when ask yourself why you're your training or what you're training for and once you've answered that question ask why again and then ask yourself mm-hmm. again and then ask yourself again and it's not until you can no longer answer the why of the situation that you've actually discovered or maybe you've discovered the true reason behind what it is you're pursuing like you had mentioned it could start off with i want to get strong And you could whittle that all the way down to it's due to feeling, you know, weak in a certain situation 10 years ago or throughout Mm -hmm. a certain period of your life. And it all translates from that. So I think those are really important questions. And as you said, yes, group model, you can prescribe one program and it, it it may be, I don't even want to say adequate. It may be sufficient to generate some level of improved health, but it's mm-hmm. not really targeting the core of what those individuals are searching for. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. And,
1: and, and I, I'll i add this one more thing, which is that, you know, I may have said very kind of boldly that it's flawed to give a hundred people the same thing. And on, on a level on a, on some level, I believe that because once you, If as you really try and coach people individually, you know, the more you, the deeper you go into it with them, the more individualized it needs to become, but not everyone's ready to take that step. So if you're going to work with a population that's not ready to really invest more in themselves, then give them something that's really sound and not going to cause harm. All right. Yes. But you should be as a fitness professional trying to get them to ascend and to grow and to ask deeper questions. And when they do ask the deeper questions, have a way of delivering something that's more personal and less one size fits all.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's a perfect way to explain it because it really is, it should be a progression the entire time, right? Like we should be trying to get people from like you had just demonstrated that people can't see, but in this pyramid the foundation being maybe that group model people who aren't ready yeah. to dive in to an individual design program or personal training and when they begin to develop some confidence and see some baseline improvements in whether it's body composition or just general health then we should be trying to push them toward a greater more specific design that's going to truly help them f- solve that that need that we had talked about earlier yeah exactly Well, awesome. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I love the conversation. I love the message and uh, I look forward to continue seeing you guys put out great stuff. I obviously wish you and your family all the best during the remainder of this, uh, these shelter in place and stay at home orders and hope everyone's safe and healthy. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or if you're an avid listener, please do us a favor, go on to iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews you guys leave us, the more positive things you say about the show, the more people we can reach and the more lives we can change. So. We urge you to please, please, please go into iTunes, leave us a review. And if you haven't already, check us out on social media. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Our Twitter account is not very active, but we are there. Uh, Check us out on YouTube. But go there, check out the content. We're trying to help you guys in as many ways as possible and really bring this message of consistency and sustainability as it relates to not only fitness, but nutrition. Uh, As always, we appreciate you guys so, so much. And we look forward to seeing all of you next week.